0: Hello and welcome to another 2023 bonus off-season episode. You are listening to Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football fan podcast and a proud member of the Herdat Sports Network. My name is Drew and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Ben.
1: Thanks, Drew, and thank you everybody for joining us. We are happy to have you. If you're new to the podcast, each episode we will sample craft beers, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. Usually we stay on task, but occasionally we go on tangents about Disney's The Mighty Ducks. (laughs) We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk Ons
0: for the most up to date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com.
1: On today's episode, Drew and I will sample beer from Heavy Brewing in Gretna, Nebraska while discussing Nebraska's pre spring roster attrition. Then we'll each draft our 2023 Super Six. I'm Ben. And I'm Drew. And this is Wannabe Walk Ons. <laughs> So Drew, as happy as we are to be one step closer to the fall and to football kickoff, there's a little bit of a sad cloud that's going to hang over this episode. And that is, this is the last episode we'll be recording in a damp, dark, (laughs) unfinished basement. Yeah, And we will have a new studio recording space, which will be a finished basement uh, come the fall. Yeah,
0: I don't know if everybody would define that as a sad, you know, a tragedy but um but yeah it's a little uh, change of pace change of environment for us
1: i mean there's something to be said about these like old padded <laughs> walls and right. and the the cold the cold cement, cement under yeah. your feet <laughs> and you know the the dust that yeah. slowly eats away at your lungs i mean like there's there's some things to be missed but there's some things to look forward to and you
0: make it sound like it's unlivable here <laughs> Uh, you know
1: there's there's some people that live in my house who who make it out to be unlivable <laughs> situations. Um but no we are we are excited in this home yeah. at least to oh, be yeah. moving forward with a with a finished basement and uh and have a new space where we can sit on couches instead of on folding chairs and a folding table and yeah. relax while we while we wax poetic while you rebuild or renew. Yeah, or rejuvenate. Yeah, or reset. Matt Rules actually doing our basement oh. for us. I, I, I you know, I didn't want to. The man leave. does not stop. He does everything. He's relentless. You know, I. I there's two types of people who wear um, shorts in the winter. It's head coaches of football and it's construction workers. And so, you know, they're they're one of the same. Do construction workers wear shorts? My hands are so soft. Are- I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you could you could tell me they 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 wear clown shoes and I'd be like. Why is that? You'd be like, well, so they get a better grip on the roof. I'd be like, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I know so little <laughs> I think the about only, hard work. Yeah, the only
0: construction worker that wore shorts, I think, was in the Village People. I think that uh, was it, yeah. Oh, okay. But,
1: you know, safety first. Yeah, you heard it here first, Matt Rule, member of the Village People. <laughs> oh, yeah. Drew, we got a lot to cover on this episode. We do. But first things first, we got to cover what we're drinking right now. Absolutely. And I'm going to turn it over to you, It's just long overdue. <laughs> For finally, the, I finally had to do some work for the for the past uh, two and a half years. I've been doing introductions on breweries selfishly, and I don't know
0: about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know about that, I was always happy just to sit back and listen. Well, now but, it's your turn to tell us uh, where we are sampling our new libations from.
0: Yeah, all right. So we're going to talk about heavy brewing, and I will say, uh, Michael Meyer, with aka Joe Java Stout, provided like ninety nine percent of the information that you're about to hear. Um, so special thanks to him. He, he covers Nebraska craft brewing like nobody else. He is the, and he's an he incredible is the
1: resource. Wikipedia of Nebraska craft beer. Yes. Yeah. But much more of a reliable source because he actually goes to the source. <laughs> yes. You could you could write a term paper off his research.
0: I almost practically did. That's what I read it to you <laughs> The yeah. best kind of book report. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Two friends who share a love of beer decide to experiment with homebrewing, and before they know it, they've opened their own brewery. Heavy Brewing and Gretna has a familiar origin story, and yet it has evolved into a wholly unique and exciting addition to the Nebraska craft brewery scene. Co-owners and head brewers Jeff Good and Randy Fredericks Jr. are longtime friends who kindled a brewing partnership with a shared love of hazy IPAs and a desire to create their own recipe. Early experiments with IPAs resulted in two things that proved critical to the brewery. First, the name Heavy Brewing. Calculations taken by the two brewers to determine the ABV of their first batches had their beers clocking in at 3-4%, a number that was a little too low for their liking. So to bump up the ABV, the pair increased the amount of grains going into their recipes, but no matter how much grain they added, the ABV just would not go up. Uh, This had the two brewers scratching their heads because despite the low readings, the effects of alcohol when drinking their beer uh, were pretty clearly felt. Eventually, they caught their mistake, and it was only then they realized they were crafting beer that landed in the 9-13% to range. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Slight difference that uh, not only explained the beer's incredible inebriating effects, but it also confirmed the name of the operation, Heavy Brewing. The second result of early brewing sessions was a desire to receive unbiased feedback. COVID restrictions at the time forced the pair to get creative in finding a way to share their beer with the community as homebrew competitions had been put on hold. Thus, brew-outs were born. Jeff and Randy constructed a beer tap and invited folks to try a number of their IPAs. The beer was well-received and had people clamoring for more, not just more IPAs, but more styles too. According to Joe Java Stout, by the fourth and final brew-out, Heavy was offering a peanut butter stout, pumpkin ale, Oktoberfest, cream ale, whitbeer west coast ipa new england ipa and a prickly pear seltzer with the help of family friend or excuse me with the help of family members and other local breweries who knew the ins and outs of opening a business jeff and randy decided to go all in on opening opening their dream brewery they chose a location that fit exactly what they wanted a family friendly social gathering space in the heart of a growing community heavy brewing opened their doors in november of 2022 The creativity that helped them evolve so rapidly is prevalent in everything that they do, from the variety of craft menu items to the comically memorable names of the food and beer. Where else can you eat a number one Stunna pizza while sipping on a creepy Dunkle Larry? Heavy Brewing is an incredible addition to the Nebraska craft beer scene. They wanted to provide a communal space for the people of Gretna and beyond, where folks could enjoy top-notch beer, food, and company a goal they achieved, and then some. So if you haven't had the opportunity yet to visit, I highly, highly recommend you do so. Again, special thanks to Michael Meyer, um, a.k.a. Joe Java Stout. You can visit his blog, joejavastout.com. You can check out his books, everything that he has to offer, um, read more stories about not just
1: heavy brewing but all the Nebraska
0: craft beer scenes. but. There you go. That's your intro to Heavy Brewing.
1: That's awesome. You had a chance to actually go there to pick up the beer. Why don't you tell us a little I bit about what did. it was like there? Yeah.
0: So uh, me and my wife went in um, not just to pick up beer, but just to, you know, we wanted to scope out the scene, sit down, enjoy what they had to offer. Um, so they're they're in Gretna. They're right off of 370. They're super easy to find. Um, the space is so much bigger than I expected it. You, you know, with a with a, a brand new brewery, um, I, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be just there. You know, a tiny space. They're going to play it safe. No, these, these guys went all out, um, and that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to, again, create a social gathering place for, for an entire community, a growing community. They know they wanted to have a lot of people. Um, it's a fun place. It's family-friendly. There's an arcade. There's a huge event space with uh, like a massive TV so you can watch sports. Um, I think it fits over 100 people if you want to have a private event there. It's an open brew uh, space so you can actually see the brewing operation because they're outside the Omaha city limits. Oh, nice! Which is really cool. Yeah. And you can so, and they encourage you to get up, get up close and personal, and, and check that out. Um, what, what does this faucet they, yeah. do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just go ahead and tamper like, with the beer. My cup's empty. I uh, wonder what is <laughs> in this. Oh man! But they and they have a they have an artisan like a craft kitchen. I mean, they do um, some really incredible food there and a really interesting menu too. Um, primarily, they focus on pizzas. Yeah. Um, but just some really just. Just out there, uh, ingredients a lot of fun. So
1: yeah, I don't think anything goes better with football, or excuse me, with beer than football and pizza. Like what a what a match made in heaven to just bring those three things together. Phenomenal
0: combination. But you could tell, like this, the staff there they were incredible. Um, You could tell they were enjoying themselves. The place was absolutely packed. Like it was hopping. Um, (laughs) But it yeah (laughs) yeah, hey Um, it was it was packed, but it wasn't. It was it's again, it's such an open space concept that like you didn't feel crowded by yeah. any stretch. Right. Um, other, the cool things they do, they do the, the, um, brew house tables, the long tables where it's just, it's community, right? Like you're into to um, you have your own space maybe, but maybe you want to join this long table and sit next to somebody you've never met. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just really neat. It's all tied into Gretna. Um, you know, they, they do the murals on the wall, like a lot of breweries do. And, um, I think they did a, they did a smoked porter with, um, Gretna plumbing, um, so you can see that they're again they're they're already digging their roots into the community.
1: It's so, awesome. Yeah, I, I really like their can design with the with the big is it a, is it a it's a it's a, a monkey. monkey is yeah, it a big monkey have you it, the monkey. It looks like. Did you ever play the video game Rampage? Oh, uh, I love that. game. Where you were like the giant <laughs> yes. gorilla or the lizard, and you're destroying the yeah yeah. It looks it looks like that. That's what it reminds me of. So that yeah. just right away brings back these memories of like going to Big Fred's Pizza or Johnny Sortino's and and playing video games after a basketball party or something like that and oh yeah yeah uh, yeah. so the the family fend- friendliness is already kind of built into their design
0: oh it is yeah, yeah it is yeah it's so like i said it was a it was a blast to visit and um it's one that i definitely plan on going back to that's great so
1: so tell us what we're drinking what do
0: we have in front of us yeah so uh this one is D's nuts <laughs> as we talk about family friendly uh these nuts it is a it's a peanut butter stout it checks in at six percent abv um all the beers that they that they continue to do are they do clock in at that higher ABV. They continue to churn those out. So you're not you're not going to necessarily go here to find your typical session ale. Yeah. Um, at least not right now with what they have on tap. What so. does it
1: say about me when I see six percent? I'm like, oh, a light beer that's today.
0: <laughs> that's not too bad. No. That's that's what they were thinking when yeah. they brewed this. Like, ah, six. Oh, it's I not guess. like an eight <laughs> percent IPA or
1: anything like that. It's just a six percent stout. This yeah, is nice. Yeah.
0: The eight percent I think that we have is coming up next. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. Awesome. Well, this beer is fantastic. I, I know that you always get the first dibs on the beer review after the intro, so I get the first dib. I get yeah, it this nice. time. Yeah.
0: Hey Ben, why don't you tell me what do you think of what do you think
1: of, of these nuts? How Thank they you. Taste that came ground? completely unprompted, and it wasn't like I was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to beg.
1: I think it's delicious. I'm a big peanut butter fan, beer or unbeer related. I just like peanut butter. And this beer, when we cracked it open, smelled like that roasty, real peanut butter smell. And then it evolved with that peanut butter cookie sweetness. yeah. And that's, that's what really hit me on the nose was a lot of that, that kind of like burnt sugar, roasty kind of caramely flavors, somewhat similar to what you might find in a sweeter bourbon. Like it's, it's, there's weird how that kind of crosses over. But then when you sip it, you get hit with that sweetness and then you find the bitterness and then it ends with this really nice roasty kind of, breakfast morning coffee black coffee kind of finish so it's it's a nice evolution where you get the sweetness up front and then you finish with almost a palate cleanse like I don't feel like my teeth have sugar all over them I feel like I'm drinking something that is refreshing and flavorful and just just this really nicely balanced well-rounded beer
0: yeah that's a good way to put it um a lot of times with the with the peanut butter flavored stouts or peanut butter flavored anything there is that like artificial cloying sweetness that that gets put in there but like you said that roast just balances it so well um and so if you you know if you're like somebody like me like that loves the that dark roast coffee type stuff um but wants a little bit of that added flavor and something different and interesting um without taking it over the top on the sugar
1: yeah um, this is hitting the spot it's, it's that little bit of sweetness right it's yeah, not that overly yeah. sweet it's not like when you find a beer that's maybe like a s'mores milk stout and you're like oh my gosh that lactose makes me sick when it. you just say that i like, know the stomach and, and but but they but. they can sometimes be these beers that people are like oh this is really popular because it's yeah. big and heavy and it's in it but it's like the reason it's able to get to 13 percent is because there is so much sweetness in yes. there and there is so much sugar in there and there is kind of these additives that that take that number up mm-hmm. but also they they take it away from being less of a beer and more like a a milkshake and and it's just not the same flavor experience for some people it's the best kind of beer they can drink and I'm not here to knock that yeah but when I'm sitting down to drink a beer and explore what a brewery can do I want to see them knock stuff like this out of the park yeah uh, and there's there's so many great examples in the state of Nebraska that can do that and the two that come to mind are like two of our best friends which is Divots and Jukes that just know how to bring flavors together without losing the balance yeah uh, and this is just another. Great one to add to the pantheon of great Nebraska brewers.
0: Oh, for sure. And I and I know from um, when I was looking at Heavy um, Jukes was one of the local breweries that that pitched in and helped them. I don't know in what capacity, but um, they were one that was you know right there to help them along with the process of opening the brewery. So, um, so a just kind of points to. Your, I mean, this is a competitive business, um, but it's also a, a very friendly. Yeah. Just community. Right. Um, it's, it's, they're so supportive of each other. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I was impressed by everything that I had there. I was very happy that I got to bring, you know, something new. I haven't had this one yet. So something new for us to try and, again just these guys are they're new like they're young and the fact that they're making beer this good so quickly yeah it only gets better it blows my mind and the fact that they started with ipas and that they can come in and just do like a peanut butter stout you know out of the gate yeah and make it delicious is fantastic so i'm excited just to see how they evolve from here and how they grow um not just with with the beer that they're making but also just you know again how they how they interact with the community in gretna and um and just what they end up providing for those folks because that's again it's a that's a A growing spot. um, Long long overdue, I think, for the brewery of their own.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, while we continue to sip and enjoy these beers, it's time for us to start diving into this new roster that Matt Rule and his staff have put together and some of the changes that have taken place from 2022. And there's a lot.
0: There's been a couple. There's a lot to handle right
1: now. (laughs) And I thought we could maybe start with talking about some of the attrition that's taken place, either through graduation, transfers, withdrawals, declaring for the draft, um, all things that are that are good for the student-athlete. You know, we we have our own opinions on the portal and, and how that's going on. But as we kind of went down and, and looked at this list before hitting record, I, I think one of the things that jumped out to us was, like, there's some folks, some players that may have gotten kind of lost in the fray, get lost between coaching staffs and things like that, and transferring is the best thing for them. Yeah. And I think when you bring in a coach like Matt Rule who continues to say, like, transferring is sometimes the best thing for a player, and we want to assist with that. I think that you're going to get more players to stick it out and be like, if this coach believes in me, I'm here for it and I'm willing to put the work in. But I also know he has my best interest at in mind. And if I need to move on, he's gonna be honest about that too. Oh, 100 percent Yeah. 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 I, I really like kind of seeing that. And then also putting this in a spreadsheet, there's not as much attrition as I thought there was going to be as far as transfers go.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a lot, but like relative to I think what yeah, where you would expect it to be, you're kind of like the the way that um we collectively as a fan base react to guys leaving um, or the portal in general, like feeling like the sky is falling all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You putting it, yeah. Putting it in front of you and, and looking at it and then going down the list of names, um, you know, marking down like, okay, who was, who was contributing, you know, who, who came here with high expectations? Um, who was the guy that, that, you know, came in under the radar and stayed under the radar for whatever reason. Um, it makes it, it makes it look not, so terrible. Right? Yeah.
1: And and I also think that what helps and and feel free to push back on this but knowing that your head coach knows that his roster is overinflated or knows that there's more people on this roster than he wants to actively coach and devote attention to, it's almost helpful in that sense where you're like we we need more players to find better landing spots because they're not going to be successful here. And there are places they can go and be successful uh, and have long careers, both in college and in the professional ranks or in the coaching ranks, and develop on that front. For me, it helps knowing that this roster is going to get smaller, and kind of having that in my back pocket or in the back of my mind, like it's going to happen, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily a bad thing. This is we're trying to get the best one hundred and thirty players, one hundred and twenty five players on our roster, and condense that so that they can be coached efficiently and effectively.
0: Yeah, yeah, it that definitely helps. You are not going to get caught off guard. Um, by guys transferring. You might have names that surprise you. Um, you might see some guys that you, you really wanted to stick it out or you would hope would work. But again, Matt Rule, he knows what he wants from his players. Um, I think he's a clear communicator, so the players know exactly what is expected of them. And I think if if players are going to be honest with themselves um, and they say, hey, this isn't for me, yeah, like you said, Rule's going to support them in finding a, in finding the best route that they need to take moving forward. Um, and so, you know, as we see guys leaving, I think rather than, you know, reacting in a negative way, they're saying, oh my God, like what, what are we going to do with this position now? Um, or you know, why can't this guy stick it out? Why has he got to quit? Um, just, yeah, just to have that, that positive mindset, Hey, here's a guy who, uh, you know, came here he wanted to play here. It didn't work out. A lot of turmoil, a lot of change the past few years. Um, hopefully he can go on and, and succeed for himself, you know, and, and, um and hopefully the spot that he's opening up allows somebody else to succeed here
1: yeah i mean when you when you really take a deep breath and you take a step back and you realize we've had three head coaches in six months
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's great Uh, yeah you think about it 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 makes sense
1: for guy and and countless position coaches who have been flowing and evolving and things like that it makes sense for guys who came here with a a set plan and a style that they were going to come play to have to go find that style again and i and i just i like what you said you know just be mindful that these guys move on because it's the best fit for the team and the best fit for the individual. And Rule is going to be the kind of coach that puts the individual first as far as their personal success before he worries about them being on the football field. And and I think that's why guys continue to stay in his orbit for years to come because they know, like, hey, I might have been under his tutelage for a short period of time and then moved on, but he's a guy I want to come back to because he's he's a leader and those are the kind of people you want to surround yourself with. Yeah. So looking over this this list of, of guys who have transferred, withdrawn, graduated or, or left for the draft, um, who jumps out at you, just ask you some general questions and there's like who's, who's maybe the one that you are most sad to not see on the field next year wearing a Husker uniform?
0: Uh if most most sad is Garrett Nelson, but only because that's not because it's it was unexpected. Like um I I figured he would leave. Yeah. But after getting handed the trophy <laughs> from Literally him, you were <laughs> handed the trophy.
1: He kind the of The Omaha won. World Herald published a photo of you being handed the trophy.
0: Yeah, he kinda won my heart at that point and oh. then he and then he and then it I shouldn't say he broke it after I said all those things about players doing what's right for them, but um but yeah, then you know him entering the draft. It was, I would have, I would have loved if he could just stayed here forever. Yeah. Um. But I'll, I'm excited to see where he goes. Um. And how his career develops now professionally. But so he's the one that I would say most sad about. Um, Frankie. I felt a little sadness for. I, yeah. I don't. You know, it's not like a, it's not like a huge hit. Um. In terms of like uh, you can you can find kickers. I'm not saying they're a dime a dozen, but I liked watching Brandon Frankie. I was uh, something about him that was just he's a yeah. homegrown kid that kicked the hell out of the ball. You yeah. Know? Um, and then I think the I think the biggest loss, like from a uh, X's and O's standpoint, is Ernest Hausman. Um, you know you just don't want to you don't want to take a hit at the linebacker position like that, and you don't want to lose a guy that talented. Um, you don't want to lose him to a uh, conference. Uh, I want to say rival, but another conference team. Um, it was, and, it, and it's just, it was just unexpected. He's a, yeah. he's a Nebraska kid too. And so it's just, and then it opens up the whole door with the the tampering and all that shit that, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't want to spec, I'm not going to speculate on that, but yeah. And I, I haven't heard there. anything
1: that's on, on that front. And as far as the tampering goes, you know, that's between whoever and whoever, Yeah, that and, is what it is. And we'll, we'll get the tell all book in 30 years when, you know, college football doesn't exist anymore. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I think some of those guys that you picked are, are. I mean, yeah, Frankie and Nelson and Houseman, you know, you picked three guys who are all Nebraska kids mm-hmm. uh, who gave everything in their time to Nebraska, um, starting from the back and working up. Houseman came on so strong in the second yeah. half of the season when, when he's, when his number was called, man, he answered that call and he improved game after game. He was a liability. Maybe the first game he came in and by that Iowa game, you're like, man, this, this guy's future is bright. Yeah. And you know, for him to, to give a year to Nebraska, I hope he goes off and continues to be successful. I hope we beat Michigan. Um, you know, those <laughs> those two things can coexist yeah, side by side. Yeah. Uh, as far as Frankie goes, I'm sure that, you know, he wants to, he's got a big leg, right? And he's probably going to want to test the waters and, and and be a field goal kicker and be a team's full place kicker instead of just kickoffs. Right. So he's, again, another guy who's earned the right to go off and try to be successful elsewhere to continue his his personal growth and as for, as for Garrett, yeah, man, that, that Iowa experience, people are going to be sick of hearing about our <laughs> Iowa experience, but it, it was, it was, you know, top five moment of life and probably top one moment of a Husker fan right? to be in that moment. But Garrett has established himself as a folk hero. I feel like in the state of Nebraska and, and everything that he's been through, you look at his time as a Husker. Um, he, he can do no wrong as far as a, a football player and, and doing his best out there on the field and he seems to be a great level-headed person as well and yeah. understands what it means to play for Nebraska and in the post-game interviews after Iowa talking about like I had to go like I was drawn to go give that trophy yeah. to those guys because they've not those guys he wasn't like Ben and he Drew as he
0: was watching the whole game he knew he, he was like those out those those guys look <laughs> sad
1: <laughs> that looks like a, they're having a top five moment in their <laughs> life so I guess we might as well take it over the top um, the other guys that kind of jump out at me when i when I look down this list, and this isn't necessarily you know transfers or declaring for the draft, but Colton Feast is one where he came on really strong last year. Yeah. again, as that defensive line was kind of questionable and how they were playing early on in the season, Feast was having a great year, came off real strong and and really led the way for guys like Robinson to start to develop. Uh, Wynn was having a great time kind of developing there. Uh, Hutmacher was getting his chance to kind of grow into it, but Feast was that real kind of solid rock who had worked his way up and continued to develop and it's almost like he you know he peaked at the right time yeah. but you almost wish like he had one more year then to build on top of it um and then the same thing for Ativa Maga Clements mm-hmm. he was another one where it's like man his magnum opus was that Iowa game he was yeah. flying around the field he was he was answering the bell again when he was called upon there were there was hit after hit there was a sack there was you know fumble it was just a beautiful game for him to go out on but then you're like man if he had one more yeah. season so yeah. those are the ones that kind of stick out to me as well where they've They've worked hard, they've developed, and then they had their, their kind of moment in the sun. And then you're like, sun doesn't have to set just yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, are there, are there any other like big misses where you feel like that these guys leaving is, is going to leave a, a major dent on the field? I think Trey Palmer might be one that sticks out on that front, just knowing you know, how successful he was and, and that top-end speed that he has. But I think Nebraska's done a good job of bringing in some wide receivers that might fill that leadership or that veteran wide receiver void. Right. Uh, but still, I mean, he's he's a, he, he a great player, and you just like I wonder if what it would look like with him in this new staff. Yeah. How would that change their offense?
0: Yeah. And he I, he was a guy that I was just assumed was the one. He was going to be a one and done. So I I wasn't you know shocked or too hurt that he left. But yeah, man, like you don't often see. Somebody that highly touted, you know, transfer, and then and then like live up to or even exceed the expectations and completely take over games. Oh yeah, Um, to just be the play call. Yeah, Trey, Trey, just deep, deep ball, just hit him, chuck it. Just, I'm sure they had a play just called (laughs) chuck it. Uh, No, yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. Um, But yeah, so that it would have been fun. But like you said, like they did find, um, they went out and got other guys. They got um, guys that can be that person. But I think that. They're not going to have to rely just on like one guy now. I think they're going to they're trying to give themselves a number of options at multiple positions that they can distribute the ball.
1: Yeah. Um. So and I think Satterfield's a different play caller than Whipple was, where that is his offense, right? Spread the ball. Use use who I've got Mm -hmm. as opposed to you know let's find our star and let him be what we build the offense around. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Cool. Let's not talk about loss anymore. Okay, we can be we, we, we've then. done that for three years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Boom. So uh, we're going to talk about our Super six, and we're going to do this a little bit differently. So here are the Matt rules of this draft. <laughs> First pick was awarded to Drew for guessing closer to the Super Bowl points total. Drew predicted a 34 to 21 win for the Eagles, which was a points total of 55. I predicted 31 to 22 for the Chiefs and a points total of 53. The Chiefs won, but the points total was 73. And Matt rules are Matt rules. Fair enough. I'm not going to argue with that. Oh, we're
0: on a. Oh, you're reading from a script. Yeah, I'm not just making these <laughs> jokes up as I
1: go. This is oh. these are
0: rules, man. Okay, I see. Once a player is taken off the board, they can no longer be drafted onto the other's Super Six. Both high school recruits and portal players are up for grabs. For th- for those
1: who don't know what a super six is, it's six players plus one sleeper who are going to have the greatest impact on the Huskers during their collegiate career.
0: Some may be immediate contributors, while others may develop over a couple of years and dominate their
1: junior and senior season. So, without further ado, Drew, you are officially on the clock with your first draft pick, and you have a team name, and Heck that yeah, team dude, name you can't is. Can't draft
0: without a team name. <laughs>
1: With the first overall pick of the
0: twenty twenty-three wannabe walk-ons super six draft, the super droopers select Malachi Coleman wide receiver Lincoln East. Go ahead and cross him off the big board. The fact you even thought he would be available after one. No. Uh so he, yeah, let's let's hear it. Okay. This dude, okay, on top of being um the the hometown kid, the you know, the top sixty national, number one in the state. Um Polynesian Bull, all star, state track medalist, phenom that he is. He's a he is an incredible young man. Like he is a phenomenal person, um, who who has gone through incredible trauma and just um heartbreak. Um and just has a horrendous story um that he ended up fighting his way out of um to become who he is, who's just this selfless caring individual. So um, I mean, if you're not familiar, he he was um, abandoned along with his, his little sister when he was five and she was two. Um, he ended up getting into the foster care system and kind of got kicked around there um, and then ended up with the Coleman family um, kind of by chance. And so and then and the, the Coleman's, you know, fell in love with these kids and to keep to keep Malachi and his sister together from getting split up, which happens a lot in foster care, they adopted them and brought them into their own family, and loved them, and raised them, um, and, you know, and from there, you know, Malachi just, he, he grew up, he really did, he had to, he had to struggle his way through, but he grew up, and he just, again, he just turned out to be an incredible dude, like, um, you know, giving all his NIL back to the foster care system, like, all of it, you know, um, so I just, I, I, if, if you had to pick anybody that you would want on any team ever, uh, Malachi Coleman, he's my guy, so. I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do on the field i want him to grow um to find success on the football field but also just to help grow what he's trying to do off the field
1: so i want to build on that i want to build on talking about his character because that was i mean you can talk stats yeah he's he's got him. you know you mentioned it he's been successful in high school he's been successful at these all these all-star games for high school students he's been uh sought after by um you know Deion sanders at colorado and some of the most exciting programs um He committed to Nebraska, he decommitted from Nebraska, and he recommitted to Nebraska. And when you have a a kid of character like Malachi who goes through the process and is mindful enough to not worry about the distractions or worry about what might be said about him should he commit and then decommit to go through that process and then recommit when he felt it was the right thing, those are the kind of little context clues that tell me something good is brewing, right? that tell me something going on with his coaching staff is they've got their mind in the right place. And so you look for a kid of character like this who has the talent to go anywhere and he chooses to take the time to make sure the decision is right. And that just speaks volumes to me um, about both sides of the coin. Um, The NIL money and going back to his charity, that's such a, a wildly level-headed and kind and compassionate thing to do and for a 17 18 19 year old to have that wherewithal mm-hmm. um, again
0: doing it in high in high before he was yeah and yeah. oh, he did it as a high school student so, so just
1: yeah. just incredible mm-hmm. um I do want to mention a couple of his stats because there is yeah. some insane in <laughs> absolutely insane numbers okay one third of his receptions in his junior and season, junior and senior season of high school one-third were touchdowns if you if that was your batting average you'd be a hall of famer oh yeah
0: yeah right you're you're almost ted williams
1: his senior year he ran a kickoff back for a touchdown the closest defender when he crossed the goal line was on the 20 yard line uh also Uh, he plays on both sides of the ball wide receiver and an edge rusher he had eight career sacks through two seasons so not only is this kid catching touchdowns Every three times he touches the ball, he's also sacking quarterbacks, physical strong, he's not afraid of contact or blocking uh on either side of the ball. Nebraska says he could play on either side of the ball. he has the physicality to to be anywhere yep um yeah man yeah
0: that's a and that's a common theme with this class is you it find, really is you find yeah. a lot of guys that are versatile, they play on both sides of the ball um and they're track or basketball stars like they they could be or are involved, um, in college with those sports. And so, uh, and so he, he just fits that mold. And then the other thing that, that, um, that I think is great is that, that coach sat in his introductory press conference, talked about, you know, somebody asked him, what's the, what's the one position that we need to really fix or focus on or whatever. Um, and he said, the wide receiver room, we need to add depth. We need to find different bodies. Um, malachi goldman is is that different body he's a, he's six three, two hundred 200 pounds i mean he is but he still has track speed um you see you know you look at all the other guys they got all the track speed in that wide receiver room but they're all those smaller smaller guys who still need some growing up to do or who are going to stay those undersized like possession receivers underneath and so malachi is just this phenomenal blend of of size and speed and strength and agility and yeah, I'm. I'm so fucking. I'm so fucking thrilled that he. Sorry, Kathy. Sorry, sorry. Was not, a, that's the first I got, one. I, that, it's 33 is? minutes in. Wow, and that was the first f word you said. Wow, I know, and I even had a whole introductory with the heavy brewing thing. So yeah. that's a lot of words. Um, but yeah, I am. I'm thrilled to watch this kid continue to um, to develop on and off the field. So. Awesome. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Let's hear. So with the second overall pick in the wannabe walk-ons 2023 super six draft benny and the jets nice select jeff sims transfer quarterback as their one uh their first draft pick so um i think that uh it's going to be a very interesting off season as far as the quarterback room goes but i think that what was highly valuable in times past was nebraska having two starting level quarterbacks in case one goes down, especially when you get into a run heavy offense and you have struggles on the offensive line and you have areas where your quarterbacks get hit a lot either by the quarterback run or what have you, you need to have a second guy who can come in and play to the same level. Yeah. Had we had opportunities where Nebraska would have had a feasible second stringer through the Adrian Martinez years and with Casey Thompson as well, I imagine that the wins and losses look a little bit different, maybe not drastically different, but a little bit different because the amount, the, the level of play just dropped dramatically. So I think bringing Jeff Sims in, who is a starting level quarterback to either be the starter or to back up Casey Thompson, however that shakes out, I think is going to be vital to this offense's continued success in the Big Ten where they hit hard and they hit heavy. Uh, through seven games, Jeff Sims uh, played really the equivalent of six due to injury, but he threw for 1,115 yards through through seven games, right? An insane amount of just yards, yeah. Uh on 188 attempts, a completion percentage of 58.5%. Uh five passing touchdowns accounted for half of Georgia Tech's touchdown production. Um he is big bodied. He ca- he's capable of standing in the pocket. He can take the hits. Has has the body of, let's see, who's the last Nebraska quarterback built like him? Probably Cody Green. What you know, big guy. Yeah. Looks imposing ben. in mm-hmm. in the pocket there. Um but, Sorry Cody, he's a better player than Cody Green by far. <laughs> I was a big Cody Green fan. I'm gonna, I should say, not a lot of Cody Green like, mentions. No, yeah, there aren't. I liked Cody Green. I liked him too. I thought there was big things for him. Yeah. And then, you know. I doubt he's listening. You don't know. You don't know who's listening. <laughs> Somebody's going to send him a copy of this. <laughs> um, I like that Jeff Sims has the mobility to make plays with his legs. He ran for 436 yards with a long of 42 and a touchdown. Uh, he's going to challenge for that starting spot against Casey. But his remaining eligibility gives him the opportunity to be a viable backup likely starter in 2024 and be a quarterback that someone can develop behind without feeling rushed to be the starting quarterback maybe in their first season yeah to like live
0: up to all those stars yeah
1: I just I just think that it's a good situation to be walking into if you're a quarterback recruit in the 2024 class from Arizona
0: or anywhere, or anywhere else, or
1: anywhere, but yeah. Anyway, so Jeff Sims is my number one pick.
0: I like that one. I I dropped him a little bit lower on my list just because Casey Thompson is still here, and because you know I know Casey Thompson is going through the shoulder the shoulder surgery. Um, he's going to miss a lot, if not all, of spring ball, and so Jeff Sims will get that that leg up. Um, but I think once Casey's healthy, yeah, like you said, they're gonna they're gonna be incredibly competitive, um, and it's only going to serve to make this team and this offense that much better.
1: Um, Before you take mm-hmm. your next pick, this beer is so good. It's it's, it's really del- good. It's amazing. I just took yeah. a sip, nice long sip, while you were talking I about did. Jeff Sims, yeah. and man, it's it's a little bit above you know fridge temp, and it mm-hmm. it's it's hitting nice.
0: Starting to, yeah, it
1: starts to kind of change as the so, temp changes. Yeah yeah, still very balanced, but, still very rounded, not too sweet.
0: Yeah, kind of like Jeff Sims. He is a dual threat
1: who can he could be sweet. You <laughs> don't know how sweet he is. <laughs> not too sweet. You know, he, you he, have a mean in thing. the in the in the. Snowy football sleddy video. He was he gave a guy a nice hug, a nice a nice dab. Well, that's kind of sweet. It was sweet. Yeah. He seemed happy and excited. To Let's be see. he wore his green jersey so no one could hit him with a snowball.
0: Right. <laughs> no contact. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Somebody takes a snowball to the eye, knocks him out. Anyway. Um his his um ability to his acceleration, I think, is the, the one thing that jumped out to me when I was watching him. Um, he he takes off and he just hits his hole and he goes. Um, so he's got incredible burst. He he is a pretty accurate passer. Um, he can throw on the run. He might have to run a little bit as the offensive line hopefully gets up to speed on the season. Um Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Uh Rule calls him an NFL talent, calls him an elite player or elite leader, whatever you called him. Elite personality. That was it. So None of the he's elite that you- <laughs> something. <laughs> he's elite something. We hope he's elite quarterback. But um, but yeah, but I'm still, I'm still holding out, um, stock in Casey Thompson. Okay. And, I, and, so, and I'm not, I'm not writing Casey off. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying
1: as far as what he's, what, what Jeff Sims is going to do for this program. He's an incredible addition. I, I think, yeah, he's, he's a much needed addition yeah. because I don't think Casey can do it alone. Agreed. Cool. Who's your number two?
0: Well, are we? Okay. So here's what I was, I guess we should discuss this before we did it, but since I got the first, are we going to snake draft? So that well, it's no. not just every other, no. I get
1: every other. I mean, that's fair. You can have every other. Really? Wow. Yeah, I've got. Okay. I, so, look, the way I did it, I've got one and one A. So, I'm. Okay. You're okay. If you're good with that, I I'm felt good like with that. this next guy, I felt like
0: I had no chance of getting at that. We were going we to snake draft it. Well, who is it? Is it MJ? It's MJ. Okay. Is it, He's further down day? on my list. So <gasps> Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. So then I don't feel so bad. Okay. MJ. MJ Sherman, edge rusher out of Georgia, um, or Georgia transfer, I should say. Dude's a six foot two, 250. He's out of Baltimore. Um, He is another guy that is just top shelf talent, like, you know, so much potential. Um, He got stuck behind a lot of other really talented players at Georgia. Um, But he's another guy who just you you listen to him talk and he's he has just this next level maturity about him. Um, I think his time at Georgia, I think, was an incredible lesson. Um, and I think he's, he kind of acknowledged that, like how it, how it taught him that humility of, of sitting behind people and, um, you know, understanding that there are going to be other guys that that you just keep working, but you, but you listen to him talk about the work he put in, um, you know, putting it on special teams and just doing whatever he had to do to get on the field, bringing that mentality to Nebraska is going to be incredible. Um, I think he's, he's incredibly charismatic, um, you know, the, the stories that he tells, he's um, deeply rooted in his family, in um, his family heritage, he's got a, a father from Liberia, who's a senator there, um, who's a Harvard graduate. His mom is a nurse in Baltimore. Um, he traveled an hour every day to get to school in Washington D.C. to make sure that he could go to the school, this private school. Um, like he, he does all the necessary things, all the, all the work um, that's needed to succeed, and I think that under Matt Rule, like, he just seems like he has that personality where that talent and those uh, traits are going to mesh so incredibly well. Um, And then he's also in a position on the edge where we just lost a lot of our our top guys. And so there is immediate playing time there that's available for whoever
1: can take it. So going back to that versatility note, as far as looking for guys who are versatile, you talk about him being an edge rusher, but he also has the athleticism and the speed to – take tight ends, and uh, running backs, and you know, cover them from a linebacking position. So I really like that he can be both, you know, a pass rusher, but then also drop back into coverage when that's needed. Yeah. And then you mentioned his leadership. I think that's going to be huge. I mean, you're coming off of a of a university, a national championship winning program. They they know how to do things and do things the right way. There's lineage from you know Alabama into Georgia into all these things as far as the coaching tree goes. And so there's a lot of doing it the right way. Being in a situation where you're coming in highly touted, and then immediately being able to step into a leadership role and having your coach encourage that there's a lot of good that comes from that when you talk about filling the shoes of like a Garrett Nelson this is the guy that steps right into those shoes right who, yeah. who has the parents that that show the leadership who has the coaches who show the leadership and is encouraged to continue that down the road I think it's a great pick I think it's a great pickup for Nebraska like you said it, it really fills a, a missing gap um in, in more than one place, right? Both right. off the edge, but then also to fill that, that linebacker room.
0: Yeah. And that's critical to to Tony White's defense is that that versatility um attacking but not letting the offense know where you're attacking from. You gotta have guys that are great rushers and great dropping back in coverage. Yeah. So
1: Okay, my second pick in our twenty twenty three Super Six draft, I'm kind of going back and forth between two different guys, but I'm gonna go with Cameron Lenhart as my second pick and I just like his versatility along the defensive line. He's played all positions, uh, hand in the ground on the edge, standing edge, outside linebacker, interior D lineman. And like we talked about with Tony white's defense, that's the kind of guy you need. Um, reminds me a little bit of, um, of Payne, who could drop back into coverage being on that defensive line. Oh, yeah. um, you know, there were a couple of plays where, where Phil Darius dropped into coverage, like against Minnesota on a wheel route and stayed with his guy, step for step and did a pass breakup. And it's like, how like how how are people that athletic like i i almost blew my <laughs> knee shoveling snow <laughs> i had to i was shoveling our driveway after the big snow and i had to stop for a good minute because i thought i blew my acl <laughs> just shoveling not lifting not anything just just pushing, just pushing snow, the snow. Yeah. my wife came out and was like are you fine and i had a i had a knee on the ground oh, i was just, man. yeah i'm good and then i had to come in and report i i thought i almost blew my knee out and she's like you're 34 and i was like well it's a lot of snow (laughs) so as far as Lenhart goes i think he's a great addition to this team i think that as he continues to develop um he's going to be an asset i look at this guy as a long-term investment And maybe by halfway through that, that second season, I think he's going to be a force. I think he might get some time maybe late in the season uh, as a freshman, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a guy that develops over time and then turns into just a threat and everyone across the nation knows his name. Um, he played 2021 with a club cast on his hand and that to me shows grit and toughness. And that's what you need in the, in the big 10 to play on the defensive line. So he's got some of those intangibles where you kind of look at what has this guy done? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, not the stat line, but like, what about where's that? Where's his heart? Like, is it a lion or is it a sheep? Like Matt Rule likes to look at, and this guy's got that lion heart in him. So I I really like him as a as a pickup, and that's why he's my number two pick. Nice,
0: yeah, he's a good one. I would just add um, a couple things that stood out to me about him. Um, He's he's familiar with both White and Rule. He was uh, committed by White to Syracuse, and then he has family and friends that played under Rule, so he knows. A lot of what to expect from from Matt Rule and Matt Rule's program, so that, that can only serve to benefit him um, in his development. And then he also he he committed to Nebraska, uh, and he said it's, he just has a love for the program, the fans, and the atmosphere. And they always talk; uh, they want guys that want to be here. They they want guys that love the end and understand what it means to play here. And so he fits that mold to a T.
1: Awesome, yeah. All right, who is your uno dos trace? Oh, who is your third pick?
0: Okay. I'm gonna go with Riley Van Poppel. He was my he was my two a, a. He was okay. my
1: that I was going back and forth between.
0: Yeah, he was. He's uh, he's another incredible, um, incredibly built, like ready to go type guy. Uh, at six five, two seventy five. Um, he's he's mature physically. He's mature mentally. He's versatile along the line. Again, there's that word versatility. Um, just super athletic. They're going to be able to move him around along the line. I think inside and out. Um, although I think he's going to primarily stick inside as he uh, develops. Um, as far as like his again his personality that th- that to me like is such a key component to how guys are going to succeed here um, because Rule talks about it so much about relationships and developing young men, um, not just young players. Um, he, his father was an athlete. His father was a professional baseball player, was drafted, um, understands like the ins and outs of, of, um, committing to a sport and making it your life. Um, and just the amount of work that goes into it. But he's also, they, they said he's, he's bright and welcoming like his mother, um, too. He's got, so he's got this, this seriousness, but this also just this approachability. And so, um, I think again, all that combined is going to be so great. Um, another quote that I love from him. Um, as far as like sticking to, sticking out with the commitment to Nebraska, he said, I didn't look at it as going somewhere for the hype or how they did uh, one year or because it's the cool school to go to. I wanted to go to Nebraska because it's a blue blood. It's somewhere where football is life, and it reminds me of my hometown with the environment, the fans, and the culture. So, there you go. There's another dude who just wants to fucking be here. Sorry, Kathy. He wants to be here to play for the end. Yeah. So
1: And proves that Nebraska's a blue blood. That's true. Yep. Yeah. That's official. Undisputed. Oh. Right there, Riley Van Poppel. You want to fight? You want to fight Riley Van Poppel on it? be my guest? Riley Van Poppel. Does he get the top prize of best name in the class, or does Sam he get honorable mention?
0: Who? Sam Sledge, Maverick Noonan is a good one.
1: Maverick Noonan would be my my one for yeah. best best name in the class. Okay. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, it's a good, it's one. it's a great name. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as Riley Van Popple, some of the things that I, I picked on him uh, for was big frame. He enters college at six five, two seventy five. So he's yeah. he's already a big boy. And he's only going to get bigger, stronger, faster. Six million dollar man right there, you know. Right. Um, plays both sides of the ball. We talked about this as well. Played all across the defensive line. Gritty, hard-nosed kid uh, out of Texas. So he's playing on a, on a a in a tough high school environment, playing on that defensive line, but also played tight end. Um, you know, there's a little J.J. Watt in that, which wouldn't be a bad thing if we had the next one of those on our team. Oh, well, that'd be okay. Yeah. yeah, you know, he did all right <laughs> in the Big Ten, right? So, I mean, there's, there's just a lot of these things that kind of keep up recurring like we talked about this versatility but a good kid hard nose but also has a great heart to him um Riley Van Poppel just fits that mold as well and I I think he's a great a great pickup for number three for you uh my number three is Ethan Nation
0: no okay oh man I was just are we here are we finally like I was waiting for the time because we're gonna I think we're gonna start getting into the point where
1: like we start picking each other's yeah you're gonna snag some dudes that I love okay so this this guy is a stat machine and this guy fits with what Nebraska has not done well in the past few years and what Tony White's defense needs to do to be successful moving forward, and that is steal possessions, yeah. right? Create turnovers, get the offense, the ball in good situations, and go from there. Um, he played in Georgia, which is like the hot ground right now. It's, it's like Texas, Georgia, and I don't know where else You know, high school football has that, maybe Florida, that has that great of a reputation, Um, So through his three years of Georgia varsity high school football, he had 12 interceptions. He's known for an aggressive style of play, using his hands to throw off timing for opposing receivers routes. He has a skill set to live on an Island and go one-on-one against star receivers. So if Tony white wants to get creative with his kind of blitz packages and things like that, and he needs to leave guys like a Malcolm Hartzog and then an Ethan nation on the other side out to cover their wide receivers. He's the kind of guy that, that, you know, you put on an Island and you say, good luck, you know, try and get the ball to him. Through him, um, his senior season he had 11 pass breakups, three interceptions, and then on the other side of the ball, 427 receiving yards and three touchdowns. I love a corner with good hands, yeah. Guy that can both you know throw a receiver off, but can also catch the ball. Uh, he also excels at special teams. Like this guy is a well-rounded kid who loves to play football. He's a ball hawk. Had one blocked field goal and returned both punts and kickoffs in high school. So again, another utility guy who's going to come in. But also has these little things that are gonna make this defense much more explosive, I think, than they have been in years past. Maybe get the ball back to the offense more frequently. He's one of the guys I think to look out for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've got I've got a soft spot for like the undersized defensive back, undersized corner. Why do, why do undersized and people I, yeah, why, why would I do I yeah, relate to spot. that? I don't know. Um, but he, yeah, he is a uh, to me he's like Malcolm, Malcolm Hartzog 2.0. I mean, yeah, he's a he's a he's a little guy that just can he can play though. Like he doesn't play his size um and I think a big part of that is because he plays receiver he does know how to high point the ball like you said he has great hands he's got really fluid motion and I think being able to understand the receiver position so well from playing it helps him to you know counter it um and so yeah like you said he's, he's gonna be a turnover machine if he um if he can keep up what he's been doing in high school for us so awesome yeah that's so that's a, that's a swell
1: pick yeah a swell pick so that's our one two and three yeah. we're gonna take a little break, okay, and then we will come back with another beer before we dive back into the rest of our draft. Which is the way draft should be done, right? There should always
0: there should be an there intermission, be a keg, a beer, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little yeah. regrouping.
1: Rich Eisen should be off to the side. Dan Patrick <laughs> should be off to the side drinking a beer in between each pick. Mel Kuyper doing a keg stand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. yeah. Oh man. Okay. Before we move on, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our very special show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Longtime listeners of the show know that Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska.
1: The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. The Guild is celebrating Omaha Beer Week February 18th through the 23rd, which, as of this recording, is right now. Nice. Omaha
0: Beer Week includes events like the Omaha Beer Week bus tour, as well as numerous other exciting events, including special tap takeovers, keg tappings, giveaways, bottle shares, and more.
1: If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer. So we are back from our little break. For us, it was fifteen minutes. For you, hopefully, it was just a few seconds. But we're going to dive into our next beer, brew number two from Heavy Brewing Company. And Drew, tell us about what we are drinking now because this is this is good.
0: This one is special. This is one of the beers that I had while I was there, and I went in with the intent of trying a couple beers and then try and then bringing a couple to go that were different. This one was so delightful. I was like, I gotta, I have to bring this one to Ben. This is Barry It's a Doppelbach. Berry B-A-R-R-Y all caps. Um, it clocks in at 8%. I didn't I I didn't know this as I was drinking it. Um, I didn't until I like, saw it on the can. It's it's incredible. It's a it's a nice, sweet, malty doppelbach. I mean, it's it's just wonderful. And it and it doesn't have any alcohol heat to it for being eight percent. You have no idea. Um it's super smooth and just a beautiful malty beer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm curious how they got the name berry, B A R R Y, not B-E-R-R-Y, mm-hmm. because there's a distinct fruit or, or berry like note. There's a sweetness that feels like a natural sweetness and not a sugar sweetness that is just so present right on the first sip. And I know that that, you know. Beer drinkers, craft beer drinkers get a bad rap for being like, oh, this tastes like elderberry. And it's like, well, we we're only using yeast and, and you know, rye to get there. But it still takes <laughs> on the, the taste of the fauna and the flora and all that. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, calm down. <laughs> this one is very present. Like, it's a very immediate, like, quiet note on the beer, but it's it's there. Yeah. And that malt finish and everything, it's just a, it's almost like a slice of pie. Right? Mm-hmm. But not a, yeah. I'm not talking like in in the sweetness sense, just in a, you get that kind of crusty, Buttery malty crust, and then you get a little bit of a of a berry like or a fruit like sweetness that feels natural. Yeah, and yeah, none of the alcohol. Which you know, <laughs> I would name this beer Danger Will Robinson. Like this is <laughs> this is a great beer. This to me would be a beer that you build a brewery around, right? Like you yeah. start here, and the yeah. fact that like they're just like, well, we also do a Doppelbach. That's
0: a, this is the thing that again blows my mind. They did a, they did IPAs like they loved IPAs. Um, and so that was all that they would brew, and they were chasing. I. I it's funny I'm chasing they chasing freshies was was um, the beer that was mentioned as their like the the IPA that kind of set off their love and their pursuit, um, which is an incredible IPA by the way. Is it. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I'm, nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the the fact that they that they can just knock out these these other beers like it, it just it blows my mind. Um. And and I don't know like I, I I don't know if they had a lot of, of background in it. It doesn't. It sounds like they were kind of like winging it a little a little bit. Like they didn't have the complete knowledge of um again not being able to like measure the ABV, and so like they were learning as they go. But they just must have this like just this this passion and, and the knack for it. Um, and I'm I just feel very fortunate that they're up and running and and offering such incredible
1: beer. Um, beer it's, that I think is going to wreck the rest of my draft <laughs> at eight percent, but <laughs> I, I want to take back what I said. It's not berry; it's orange peel. It's that citrus sweetness without being sour. Okay, that's that's the fruit note I'm getting from this. Is like this this. It's orange peel. Like that's the only way I can describe mm. it. It's the orange expression like you would have on a Manhattan. Like it has that kind of that sort of finish that is just so nice on the palate. Like, yeah, damn like damn it <laughs> kathy you wouldn't even need an apology you'd be like i get it'd you it. be like fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh man all right all right <laughs> so we're gonna move back into the draft we each have three guys on our on our six man plus a sleeper roster yes and drew is adamant that we switch it up
0: i just feel like in in fairness of the draft there has to is be it in fairness of
1: the draft or because the, the Chiefs won, even though you picked the I Eagles and you feel bad. a little guilty I do, about I've that. I've always
0: felt a little guilty about that. Um so but I, but yeah, so just to just to have a little bit of okay. balance. Okay.
1: Okay, then you can't get mad if you take my fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> so All right, I'm, here we go. Let's I'm I'm debating between two different guys and I think um I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Ramir Stewart. Okay. As, as my fourth pick of the draft.
0: I will say he was, he was not on my list. Can I tell you who I was debating between?
1: Okay, yeah. I would like to hear it. Okay, so I now that I that I to take next. <laughs> no, I'm not going to take this guy next. Because oh, one, or, oh, one he's or a, two. oh, okay. So okay. we kind of talked before this of like, how are it's we going to do this draft? I'm trying to get some, some super six guys. I think there's going to be more than six guys in this draft. The way that Matt Rule evaluates players and the way that his staff evaluates. There's going to be more than six guys. This is, yeah, this is not an easy task. Right. At all. So, I'm trying to take balance in my roster. Yeah. And so I have kind of alternates because this is a draft. Mm-hmm. If you take a guy, I want to have the alternate version of that guy. Okay. So my alternate for Ramirez was Quinton Ives. Okay. So I'm I'm looking at that kind of running back possibility here. Yeah. Okay. So Ramirez Stewart, two-way player in high school, played safety and running back. Um I think he's being looked at as safety. Yeah. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, but he can play running back. And what I like about him is he is a downhill football player. He is going to attack. And that seems to be a constant theme with either the offense or the defensive side of the ball. When you hear rules staff talking, like we are going to be the aggressors. We are not going to sit back and let the game come to us. We are going to bring the game to whoever. And he's a player that really fits that mold. Um, As a running back, he was known for a downhill pushing style, ran for 4.9 yards, per carry across three seasons 10 rushing touchdowns in addition to a receiving touchdown and zero fumbles on 92 carries protects the ball cares about the ball aggressor downhill again all these things that are kind of like that get you going as a Nebraska fan right this guy is a run the damn ball kind of guy as a safety which is where again I think Nebraska is going to have him playing he is known as a determined tough competitor who excels in pressure situations he is physical he is a sure tackler And he has nine interceptions through three high school seasons. Again, when we're talking about what is Tony White going to need in this defense, uh, it's going to be turnovers. It's going to be stealing possessions. It's going to be taking the ball away and giving the offense the ball in prime situations to go and score. And this is another ball hawk kind of guy who's going to play that aggressive style. He's got incredible body control, plays with a low center of gravity. He hits hard. He takes on blocks and blows through them. He can shed plays. Um, he can shed tacklers to make plays in the run game. He's able to shift through traffic, locate the ball. I mean, th- this is the kind of aggressive. I keep saying that word, but this is the kind of mm-hmm. guy that you want—almost uh, that bowling ball mentality, where like you can't stop me. Once I get going downhill, I'm the juggernaut. Like I'm gonna move through you. That's a comic book reference for any non-nerds out there. And Drew's like, I have, my, I have no I'm, idea. I checked out there. Yeah, for yeah that's second. all good. That's all right. So I, I like Ramir Stewart. I like the way that he plays football. He's the kind of guy that I think is going to have some great success while at Nebraska and develop and he's going to probably be one of those guys that you see all over the field on the defensive side of the ball and maybe just maybe on the offensive side, who knows.
0: Yeah. I mean, we know that Ramirez have good success here as running backs. Yeah. So yeah. That's something. Um I honestly I didn't do any sort of a dive into this guy. This is going to sound super jaded, um but when it comes to recruiting nowadays, I when guys are uh when guys commit I'll, I'll look into them a little bit. Um, the more high profile they are, like the more interest I might have. Um, but for the most part, I think, okay, like commit, sign, like let, let's get through like a year together and then I'll, and then I'll learn something about you just because there's so much fluidity and sure. movement that to me, it's, it's hard to invest a lot of time not knowing if a guy's ever going to, you know, stick around. Um and that's not a knock on
1: anybody that's just it feels kind of like a knock on me for taking no, him in this no. draft but I stand behind my pick.
0: Yeah, the only so I all that's to say like um I know that he he was the first player to come out of uh Pennsylvania high school and commit to Nebraska since 1999. Uh he and he and Vincent Carroll Jackson are the two guys to come out of that state. So I know that. Yeah. about him and you know what and i'm excited matt, that he's coming here
1: matt rule picks up players uh out of out of pennsylvania out of his home state they tend to uh do pretty damn well both on the field in college and then they continue on and have some pretty damn good nfl careers nice so i'm all right with that yeah yeah perfect you're wrong i'm not saying i'm not you're saying wrong anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right who's your number four pick all right here we never go. heard of him yeah <laughs>
0: This is a massive... They brought in like 40 new guys. It is is thirty. So, I have other responsibilities. 39
1: plus two guys who came back, which, I mean... Oh, man. We, 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 we did ex- talk about yeah, that, right? We, so we're not going to take Xavier. We're not going to take IC, IGC. Yeah. Um, or IGC, excuse me. For, you,
0: you can have one and I can have the other.
1: Yeah. And and well, they don't count for you. anything as far yeah. as our picks go. Um, Who... Would you take out of those two? Oh, don't make you get no. You get Malachi. So I feel like Betts is a very similar kind of size and stride and that sort of thing. So okay, okay, cool. In interest of fairness, you can have all right. I'm not bullshitting. I'll just yeah, I'll
0: just uh, accept IGC like he's some like scrub. Hey, first touchdown
1: in international waters since Nebraska played K State in Japan. So that's that's something. Yeah, hang a banner. No, I really like IGC. I'm so glad (laughs) he's coming back for real. Okay. All right. So who is your fourth round selection? All right. To My, the super droopers. The super droopers is Eric Fields. <sighs> I knew he was going soon. Yeah. I knew he was going soon.
0: Oh man, I have him um very high. He is uh he's a he's a smaller linebacker. He's gonna have to put on some weight. Like he's gonna have to add a a, a solid like twenty or thirty pounds. Um, but he has incredible speed, he's got incredible aggression about him. Um Coach White has talked him up. He says if if his development goes right, he's going to be an all conference type guy. Um, watching this dude hit people is so much fucking fun. Sorry, Kathy, it is fun to watch his tape. Um, he's he's another guy that's going to have that that versatility where he can develop into sort of that nickel Swiss Army knife type guy. He's JoJo
1: Doman, and yeah, he's going to be as as beloved as that guy was at Nebraska and beyond. Yeah, I and, mean. Yeah, it's amazing. So, so mad that you took him.
0: So <laughs> he's my favorite. I think he like he. I think he's a he's a future NFL dude. I really do. I think they're gonna put weight on him, and it, and he's gonna keep that speed and that aggression and that ability to to make plays. And he's gonna become just this phenom again, that's just flying all over the place. That they're gonna be able to utilize in all sorts of packages. And I'm I I fucking love this kid. Sorry, Kathy, but I'm excited that he's on our team, and uh, I'm excited that he's on the Super droopers.
1: Yeah, I mean, he does it all right. He flies around the field. He drops back into coverage. He attacks on the run game. He can rush the passer. And and what else do you ask of a guy when you're on defense? Right. Again, another guy who's going to attack the ball, come downhill at it. Um, He he is the overall sleeper in the 2023 class, the way that the staff talks about him. And I'm not talking about Nebraska's 2023 class. I'm talking about college football as a whole missed out on this guy and i'm just happy that we have coop who stays up until 4 a.m watching film (laughs) and is like we should see this guy yeah the
0: diamonds in the rough man and
1: more more credit to coop where anything that i accomplish at 4 in the morning should never be looked (laughs) at with any (laughs) sincerity and for him to be able to be that you know uh that that sound of an individual at that time of day good good for him yep Good for you for picking up Eric Fields on onto the Super Droopers. That's that's a great pick.
0: No, that's fine. Thank you for dropping him to, to me at number four. I'm
1: glad that we switched. He was my next pick. Was he? He oh, was man. my next pick. Yeah. Which, you know, you probably would have taken him and I would have been like, Well, God, I gotta go get through two. So, so since you switched it up, mm-hmm. you know, it's
0: yeah, I gave fair. you your chance. Okay. So then
1: I, my number five pick is Demetrius Bell. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I've been a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. I'm switching back to the offense here. He was a weapon in high school while also playing defense. As a receiving threat, he racked up 1,200 yards, 12.8 yards per completion, 15 touchdowns. As a rushing threat, he ran for 6.2 yards per carry on 49 attempts and three touchdowns. And as a passing threat, this guy threw for 234 yards and nine touchdowns. 234 yards, three touchdowns, excuse me, on nine attempts. Nine passing attempts, he threw 234 (laughs) yards and three touchdowns. That's an average completion of 39 yards. It's just insane. That is insane. Um, He's another weapon in the return game. He averaged 24 yards per kickoff return, 14 yards per punt return his senior season. Again, I've spoken about this a lot, and people are going to be sick of hearing this. But Nebraska needs to find ways to steal possessions in the modern game, and special teams is another way that you do that. It's not just about interceptions and fumbles. It's about moving the ball when you get kickoffs and punt returns. We've been ineffective doing that through the past, I don't know how many seasons. Um, And so I'm looking for this staff and for Ed Foley uh, and the special teams to really help drive this momentum in these transition years, right? In the first and second season under Matt Rule, where it's like, how do we win games? It's by stealing them, right? Then get to a point to where you're winning them hands down. But let's find ways to steal games from opponents who are more well-rounded than us out the gate. And then we'll play catch up to them. This is a guy that can be a weapon for that, returning the ball on special teams, and also being just a weapon down the field, catching the ball, and scoring some TDs.
0: Yeah, I like it.
1: Cool. Probably another guy here, like, right, man. Man, he's out of high school, so... he's
0: No, so if you want to know about this guy, so this is the thing about the... Here's the thing. I knew I was getting the first pick, and I knew I was going to get Malachi Coleman, Right and i also know that nebraska brought in like 300 wide receivers in this in this class. It's, it's like 250. <laughs> it is a lot. It is a lot of speedy guys. Um they're all in that like f- that 5'10 to 6'1, you know, 165-195 range. Um i and i get it that they're all going to they're all different, right? they're all different people um with different skill sets, but it's to me it is so hard to especially with Nebraska to identify wide receivers um, that are going to come in and make a difference because we've seen it go so many different ways with so many different guys, like under the radar guys popping up guys that are heralded that don't, you know, do anything. Um, they stick it out, they transfer, whatever. So I, I, I like all the guys that they, that they brought in. I like that they're attacking that position. Like I said, coach sat wants to get a bunch of different bodies and build depth there. Um, To me, it's a a little bit of a dart throw as as far as who's going to develop and who's going to, you know, take
1: over outside of Malachi. Malachi is like... I've criticized none of your picks. I'm not... No, I'm not... And for the past two picks... No, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Stop. For the past two picks, you've sat there with a smug look on your face.
0: (laughs) I'm not criticizing your pick. I'm merely explaining, like... I, I am greatly appreciative of you picking them and then providing a lot of information and insight so that I can learn more about these people who I spent no time really diving into for various reasons.
1: I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I feel mistreated. Uh, in my own unfinished basement. I, I, mean, stand by, I stand by my picks. I think
0: you're making great picks. I'm not, I'm not tearing down your picks. Okay. Any more than I would tear down anybody that they, that they brought in in this class.
1: It feels like you are though. <laughs> no, and then especially hearing, uh, you know, some of the. I think I think you made a great point about the wide receivers that there are a lot that are coming in, and Nebraska's seen a lot of turnover in the wide receiver position over the past five seasons. I mean, I think only one or two receivers that Scott Frost has brought in yeah. actually stayed to graduation.
0: It's legit. It's legitimately bad.
1: Right. Yeah. I think that this uh, coaching staff is going to be more selective with the people they bring in, but I do understand where they look at the wide receiver room and go, "We need some help," because. This was a an offense that really didn't develop anyone outside of Palmer and then maybe a little bit of washington mm-hmm. um and that's not fair to say to Washington. a lot of bit of Washington he came on great at the end of the season near the back half of the season. It was a real true asset. I think he'll continue to be so um but I, I I do kind of get what you're saying where they're bringing in a lot of bodies there and it's it's kind of questionable. uh Bell stuck out to me as far as what he was able to accomplish. And uh, and so I stand by the pick, regardless of what you say about him. I love it.
0: Well, and I love that again. He's he's a versatile guy who can provide all sorts of, of um, you know, pluses and possibilities as far as the team goes. And in a in a what is a crowded room in a crowded class um, at that position, he has different things that'll help him stand out. You know, especially with special teams and just trying to get on the field and trying to develop. And so I think it's it's great. He's he's got potential, just like. All the rest. Okay. Again, thank you for, thank you for providing, whatever.
1: Incredible insight. (laughs) Shut up. Talk. (laughs) Talk about your next pick. All right. Who is your? Who is the fifth roster spot?
0: Wow, man. Okay, I'm actually going to end up skipping. I've got some guys that I would, um, if I was just making just a super
1: six, like just for whatever. this I would, this, I would this podcast is the definition of a just whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is just for a no, whatever. No, this
0: is serious. This is real stuff. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take an offensive tackle here.
1: Okay, cool. I thought you were gonna take my last my my six, and I'm so glad no, that you didn't. Okay, who are you, you taking? Need a,
0: oh, okay. All right. Uh, this is what I don't know because there's a couple. Um, I'm gonna but I'm gonna go with Brock Knudsen.
1: That's a excellent pick. That is such a good he pick. Is
0: a, he's a Nebraska-born kid. He is a mammoth. He is huge. He's a huge dude. 6'7", 300 is obvious size. Um, same sort of thing. where he, he He's played both sides of the ball in high school. Um, and so he's got a little bit of movement for a big guy. Um, no quit on this dude whatsoever. He will block the entire length of the field if he has to. He will block everyone um, on the field. Yeah, all if of he them. has to. And he does it with such uh just tenacity and drive and, and, and um just like a, a violent effort. Um that is just it's it's fun to watch a guy like that play. And again, he fits this this mold that um Rule spoke of when he was introduced or, or early on, um, of, of a Nebraska born kid um growing up here wanting to play for Nebraska. It's his dream school. Um you know, fighting and understanding what what Nebraska fans want and expect from the pipeline. Um it, it he's just he's it's again it's it is another position that's hard to predict. Um with offensive lines like notorious, you gotta develop and it takes time. Nobody can not nobody, but it, a rare person can translate directly from high school to college with immediate success. I don't know if Brock Newton is that guy that will have that immediate success. But I feel like with his his desire to be here, with his physical skill set, um, his size, his effort, his passion, all those things, those are all going to come to into play here. And I think he's going to have an incredible career.
1: I agree. I agree 100%. Um, he's just an absolute bully. Plays yeah. to the whistle. Sometimes it Threw looks it. like it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is not uncommon to see him, and and I, and I don't use this word just as a fun adjective, throwing defensive linemen to the ground in, in his high school tape. Like throwing guys off, yeah. Like, like you know that hypothetical question where it's like, how many fifth graders do you think you could beat up? <laughs> like, that's what this guy's highlight reel looks like. Playing the same age kids at his size, just chucking them yeah. aside. Yeah. Um, I also like you mentioned his agility and his ability to move around, but he can pull and lead block for a running back mm-hmm. incredibly well. And I mean, that's got to be a dream for a running back to just have that kind of runway cleared out he's got great length in his arms so he's he's not just you know it's not just a big body this is a guy that's got the full reach and he can really hold his leverage and and create time in the pocket we mean we need more bodies that are built like that with guys that have that engine to drive them to play for Nebraska as hard as this kid wants to play for Nebraska so I think Knudsen is a, uh, a hell of a pickup for rules staff and a excellent member of the the droopies super droopers but uh, no, I know I got fine. it I got the name right <laughs> <laughs> I nailed it <laughs>
0: All right. All give right. us your sixth and semifinal, your penultimate pick.
1: Okay, so this is going to be controversial, maybe. Ooh. Okay. All right. But when you look at the impact that this kind of a player can have on the field, and I lied to you earlier. I know, when we were talking off.
0: I know who you're gonna get I don't think this is gonna be controversial at all. I think this it's is a, great, a pick. great pick.
1: It's Tristan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Tristan Alvano out of West Side, Nebraska kid, 119 for 120 on extra points through his junior and senior season went five for five in the nebraska state championship including like a 50 yarder to win the game um scored a total of 200 points for west side through two seasons he is an absolute asset for nebraska once they arrive in enemy territory i think that we have undervalued kickers at nebraska for too long i think that when we brought uh you know uh barrett pickering in and he had a little bit of a struggle we all turn our backs on kickers and then I feel like bleak road came in and was pretty consistent but didn't have the the season that we hoped he had knowing that we're having a guy who's coming in as one of the best kickers in the country from our own back door who's played on our field and then you look at man if he could score 200 points for Nebraska in two seasons we're doing something right we're getting the ball where it needs to go and we are converting points onto the board when we talk about this defense stealing possessions and then having the weapons to then uh, capitalize on top of that. This is the kind of guy that you need to be able to reliably capitalize on top of his leg is already strong. It's only going to get stronger. I had him as my sleeper, but I was scared you were going to take him at six. Uh, I did not trust yeah. that he would still be on the board. <laughs> um, but the more I think about it, the more it's like, this is, this is the kind of guy that we need to value just as highly as a Malachi Coleman. He needs to be on a super six because he is going to be the difference maker in, in, I would guess at least one game a year, at least. And that's probably putting it a little bit too conservatively. There's going to be multiple games where we're going to sneak out of here, especially in these first few seasons. If we're going to steal games, it's going to be by a field goal kick. It's going to be by an extra point. It's going to be by something like that. And this is a kid with ice in his veins. And I'm so happy that he made the decision to, to come to Nebraska and that we had the wherewithal to offer him a full scholarship, which was ridiculous that it took that long. Yeah. Yeah. You would think 150 points in.
0: <laughs> hey, we should look at this guy. <laughs> hey, we should look at this
1: kid who 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 is 40 minutes from here. Yeah. That I could throw a football 3 times from Memorial Stadium and hit him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I think no, I I I don't think that that is controversial at all. Um I think there are other players who are going to be on the field more frequently for Nebraska that would probably be in a traditional super 6, but I, I think that we're gonna look back in four seasons, and we're gonna be so happy that this kid is representing Nebraska at the next level
0: yeah yeah and and you know we I think Nebraska is historically spoiled at the kicker position, and so you, it's one of those things where you just kind of assume you, you got a kicker in your back pocket every time and then and we've seen what it's like to have a team that doesn't have that guy that you can rely on um and so yeah, hopefully I mean. You, we fully expect him to be that guy who who can just step in as a freshman and and you're covered for the next four years. Um, where you've got you got that field goal if, if the drive stalls out, you don't. It's not a question. It's not yeah. you know, um, it's it's very fortunate for Matt Rule that he's got this kid as a you know and again like you said in the backyard like he can just you know shoot him that offer and and get it accepted like that. Um, very lucky that he didn't have. You know another school that he was, you know, courting with.
1: Is that not weird though that kickers are are so undervalued across the like? It feels like kickers are just like, yeah, you can walk on, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah piece of we're shit. not worried about. It. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> they're they're like, like meanwhile,
0: coaches are burning timeouts to ice kickers, <laughs> but they're not offering
1: them scholarship. Like it's so, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. And and here's here's a little fun fact about me. I have always dreamed. Of being a field goal kicker, right? So yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love field goal kicking. Yeah. And uh, I have a field goal kicking practice, not like a kickoff tee, but like a field goal kicking tee. I live mm-hmm. close enough to a high school where I can just go on their varsity field and practice kicking and stuff like that. So I have done that. And it is so hard. <laughs> it is, it is, it's harder than being doubted by you with my selection. It is. <laughs> I feel like this, if anything, I've built you back up a little bit. Yeah, okay. I still, I, I'm still hurt. <laughs> it is so hard. Like, I've made I've made two, thirty-two yarders, and that's the farthest I've made one. Okay, now, and and that's on the twenty-two yard line. I'm not talking about from the thirty-two yard line in. That'd be a forty-two yarder, right? I've made two thirty-two yarders, and I've mm-hmm. probably attempted that kick over a hundred times.
0: But that's only a hundred and ninety-four points short of what <laughs> Tristan was able to accomplish. Right.
1: Yeah. And and I'm not saying you know I am nowhere near the physical specimen <laughs> of, of any of these athletes. But I'm just saying, like, how are they overlooked when it it feels like the hardest thing to do on a football field?
0: I don't know. I honestly don't know.
1: It's, I mean, because that's that's the special teams debate,
0: right? Like, there are yeah. so many te- there are so many coaches out there that just like, yeah, folk, like, special teams will take care of itself, or we don't need to dedicate a coordinator to that. And, yeah.
1: Um. I, so I, I don't. Know, I, I just I just want to put that out
0: there yeah. that. It's a nice pickup, and he yeah. and he did pop up on a number of super sixes, like which he he yeah. has
1: more than earned,
0: a hundred percent, more than earned, and
1: yeah. and yeah, just I was so happy that when he committed. He was one of my guys that I like circled and was like, this is a must have in this class. Malachi was one of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the local guys, right? They're the must haves in this entire class, um, and so I'm just I'm so happy and grateful that he is is going to be wearing the scarlet and cream. Me
0: too. I am too.
1: All right. Who is your number six?
0: Okay. Oh, man yeah I, I still have like so many like again there's so many great players in this class there really are like the um, the
1: option that we're gonna have for a sleeper is not even gonna be like a sleeper he's just gonna be a
0: i know it's just gonna be a dude yeah no but i'm gonna i'm i will I am gonna dip down into my actual sleeper um I'll make my pick here, but I will acknowledge um I'm gonna make this pick based on the the complexion of my team already okay um and I'm going to take
1: God, we are waiting with bated breath.
0: I know everybody's so st- so I'm a, I'm not good at making decisions. I'm going to
1: take Eric Gilbert. Wow. Okay. 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 Not a guy. I want to say before we get into this, uh-huh. not a guy that I put on my list. Oh, That does hurt. <laughs> no. And, <laughs> no and, and, and I'll tell you why. Okay. He, he is he is sleeper territory and it's okay. because of his reputation. Yeah,
0: I can see that. Right. And that's and I've got him highly ranked because of his ability but I and but I kept I kept going kind of jumping. over him and because that's because and that's interesting
1: because a lot of these guys we talked about reputation was just as important as ability mm-hmm. right like their character and I'm not trying to judge Eric's character I don't know the guy right. never met the guy it's it's a question of um, I mean will he even see the field yeah right and and it's not like we don't have a historical evidence of that just like we have historical evidence of these guys' the stat lines so he is a physical specimen he's an absolute beast Um, and I think that if we're going to find the right coach to, to get him where he needs to go, Matt rules, one of the guys you'd put in that group.
0: Yes, this is, yeah. And that's, and that's the thing is is this is the place where I feel like he can develop. Um, as far as that, the, the off, whatever the off field, I don't know anything about the off the field stuff, but Matt rule feels like the guy that can, that can help. Um, and, and Satterfield with tight ends. I think he's shown that he can he can work with multiple tight ends and have them have a starring role and, and be successful. And so you think about Gilbert and Fedoni on the field at the same time. Um, I don't worry about you know one or the other stealing the spotlight. Um, so I've, I've I've got him. I want to before I go on. Chief Borders, Prince will, uh, Jacob Hood were some other guys that were on my list. Um, Dylan Rogers was another one that that I had to skip over. But um, just for the again for the complexion of my team, I need another offensive guy. So I am going to go with Eric Gilbert like you said he's a he's a, just a he, i mean he's a he's a 2019 national Gatorade player of the year he's the first true tight end to win the award he's top 5 overall player coming out of a high school um just unreal potential and talent at a position like a, as a true tight end that you just don't see yeah and you saw it translate when he was at LSU he had a really successful freshman year um 35 catches 368 yards and two touchdowns uh he ends up at Georgia and he only plays a few games. He, you know, again, he he had some issues that just kept him off the field, and so this is where this is where I like I really appreciate the fact that there's that kids can transfer, yeah, not just once but multiple times and get that immediate eligibility is because this is a this is a kid that's just trying to find the right situation where he can excel, um, finding the right mentorship, the right leadership, the right coaching staff to really develop him as a player and as a person. I I want rule to be that guy i want the staff to be that guy i feel like listening to bob wager talk um he's a he's a develop the person develop the person first type coach yeah um and so yeah so i think i think gilbert is uh, eric gilbert is stepping into a really great situation he's stepping into a room that needs a star player um a star player that can stay healthy um and again him and fedoni on the field just seems like such an incredible you know Ah, yeah. it's such an incredible fucking combination. Um, he's a he's a pass catching tight end. He is so tough to bring down. Um, just a great speed size combo. He can create all sorts of mismatches. Um, he can be a go to weapon. We talked about Trey Palmer being a, sort of that that guy last year. That that guy that they were funneling everybody or all the balls to. Um, when when Eric Gilbert was at LSU, they had an opening drive against Missouri in twenty twenty. He had four catches for 59 yards on a touchdown drive. Um, he can be that go-to guy at the tight end position, which is just an incredible um, thought. Like, to have that at Nebraska would be great. So, assuming everything works, I think the potential, the physical uh, potential is there to make it worth, you know, sneaking him in, sneaking him into my Super 6.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with all of that. I, I don't think that Rule and his staff in a – very delicate situation that they enter where nebraska's looking for success and pretty damn quickly i don't think they take the risk if if they don't think that they can make it pay off with him just from a pure football level yeah but again when you're looking at like these are coaches that want to develop the individual and they see an individual did you just drop a pen i did and make noise on our podcast did you just make a sound on our sound based (laughs) platform right in the middle of your oh my gosh yeah no, I, I just think it's a great situation for Eric to walk into. And, and yeah. I'm reminded, I don't know if you heard this story, uh, you know, going back to the transfer portal and, and kind of talking on that front about what's great about it. Um, I don't think that anyone would shy away from any of the wise words that come from Nick Saban. And, you know, this isn't me being facetious or anything like that. I don't know if you heard the story about him talking about um, Jalen Hurts and his transfer situation. Uh-uh. So after Tua came in and, you know, Jalen got benched in the national championship game and Tua comes in, wins the game, and it looks like he's going to be the starting quarterback. Jalen Hurts comes to Nick Saban and says, hey, coach, I I want to transfer. And Saban goes, you know, okay. You know, if, if you know, I understand your starting quarterback caliber. We've got our starting car- quarterback and what have you. He goes, where are you thinking? And he goes, I'm getting a lot of attention from Maryland and Miami. And Saban goes, you're not going there. You're not going to go to those two places. He goes, I think you belong at Oklahoma. I think you belong with you know, like Lincoln Riley, who can develop yeah. you even further. If a if a coach like Nick Saban, who needs no humility, he can he can be hubris, he can, he can, you know, embody that is willing to say there are better places for you than Alabama. And um I I don't have a big enough ego to where I can't say, No, you gotta stay, you know, you agreed to play for me. Then I think we can all take a lesson from that. That like sometimes the kid just doesn't fit. Yeah. But then Jalen Hurts goes on to win. Heisman goes on to win um you know the the NFC championship plays in the Super Bowl and does that happen if he doesn't have a coach who's looking out for his best interest in saying hey go here or here right does Jalen Hurts have the same success that he had at Oklahoma at a Maryland or a Miami now i feel terrible for Maryland Miami fans <laughs> who <laughs> had to hear that story Maryland
0: still got Tagovailoa, just, yeah, the, other just the other one yeah just the other one yeah
1: but i i i just think when I hear about you know a player transferring, I try and keep that story in mind, and I try and keep that that thought in mind. That like if if Nick Saban can be humble about it, then we as fans can be humble about it. And these players, you have to understand that it's the right thing for them. And I think that Matt Rule is the kind of coach that looks at you know he was at the professional level before this whole transferring thing happened, and then he comes back into the college. And I think he's probably like licking his chops, going, "These are the kind of kids that I want to help find a home for. Like these are the kind of kids yeah. that I want to be." that landing place who have great talent but haven't gotten the leadership or the guidance that they need. We're going to give them that, and then the talent can take care of itself. Yeah. It's still, it's all going to take hard work. It's not like it just happens for them on the talent side, but the, the character side of things is almost more crucial because that's what instills the work habits that leads to the success. So that's my long-winded way of saying I think that's a great sixth spot. I think that's a great way to, to round out the team um, and to kind of keep our minds focused as we move into – the attrition that'll take place after spring ball and during spring ball of remembering that one, our roster needs to get smaller, but two, we got to find the right place for these kids. Cause they're still kids. Yeah. You know, think yeah. about when you were 18, 19, 20, you know,
0: I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a great story. I do not say I didn't, I didn't know that about Jalen, about Nick Saban. And yeah, Nick, uh, uh Matt ruled has said as much, like he, he's a player first guy. And, um, stepping into this new world of the transfer portal, he's—I think—he's going to fit right in.
1: Yeah, it, it's—he's one of the coaches that it feels tailor-made for. Yeah, you know, about being able to say, "Hey, this is a great opportunity for you here," mm-hmm. or "Hey, I think there's a great opportunity for you somewhere else." Yeah, because here I can't—I can't meet your needs. Right, and I think that as a as a someone like Matt Rule, who's a coach with a bleeding heart, that probably pained him when he had players like that, where he was like, "I know I'm not doing the best for this guy." Yeah, and having a roster that's pared down a little bit more allows him to have that kind of attention. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it too, where he can, you know, he can help curate this guy's experience. And if that experience isn't at Nebraska, I'm gonna know that I need to trust in Matt Rule and his staff to make that distinction and help those players get to the right spot.
0: Yeah, very cool. Oh, okay,
1: ready for a sleeper? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so annoying. <laughs> All right, my sleeper, uh, my number seven pick is going to be Ben Scott, the transfer from Arizona State. I know you were worried I wasn't going to take him. Yeah. I just had to flip him around. Yeah, right? that's that's fine. Yeah, okay. He he
0: deserves to be in this one. Okay, in somebody's top yes. seven. Yeah, yeah.
1: So my my big takeaway on on Ben Scott. Obviously, he is a powerful asset in the run game. He was so at Arizona State. He only missed fourteen of the eight hundred and eight offensive plays ran at Arizona State Damn. in his time there. Fourteen out of eight hundred and eight for
0: bathroom breaks or
1: like what was? <laughs> I, I I don't know I don't know why Adjust he the missed them. chin strap, them. yeah, yeah something incredible. like that. Incredible durability. Um, his run blocking score was twenty eighth among all offensive tackles in the FBS, and his negative grade on run blocking was sixth lowest in the Pac twelve. This guy is excellent. He was part of an offensive line that averaged over two hundred yards per game, which was twenty fourth uh, in the FBS, and he was part of an O line that allowed only one point six sacks per game which that's the kind of average that I think Nebraska absolutely needs to really start to develop who they are on the offensive side. Stats aside, though, he's the kind of guy that I, I, I say is a sleeper because he might pay off dividends even after he's gone. He's going to show the kind of leadership that it takes in the offensive line room to continue to build and work and, and have the kind of ethic that gets you where you want to go. Um, he's a guy that's probably going to be a draft prospect next year. He's probably going to take over as center. Uh, And he's going to be highlighted on this offensive line as kind of that anchor. And I think guys are going to be able to learn from him. And you've got guys like Knudsen on your pick that are going to continue to evolve and learn and grow because of the leadership that guys like Ben Scott are going to bring to the table. Um, So he may not be a guy where, you know, we're not going to get four years out of him. We're going to get one year out of him. But that one year is going to pay off even further than just this next season. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he's going to be incredibly incredibly valuable in this this transition. Also, I Um, should say... uh, his name is my first and middle name. So Ben yeah, Scott, no, I actually, got- <laughs> I figured that's why you took him. Yeah. Like, no, that's but he's, 100%. That's, that's
0: the only reason. Um, no, it's, it's gotta be so great for Ayola, you know, and, and rule to have a guy cool here. This guy is in this position and I don't have to worry about, you know, who, who else I'm going to put there. Um, you can build your line around him then from there. And, and, and like you said, you can lean on him as a leader in that room and, Um, he's a, he's a loner, you know, not like a loan, but a loner in the sense that you get him for that year. Um, but he's a guy that I think you can maximize in that year. He's, he's like a Trey Palmer who, who's coming in with incredibly high expectations who, um, you know, he's not gonna, he's not gonna change the game in the sense that he's gonna have all these incredible stats and, and win offensive player of the week, but he's gonna solidify that line and a lot of questions. So very excited about his commitment. Um,
1: it's about time you liked one of my picks.
0: Yeah, it only took you seven. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm just kidding. I like all your picks. Thank you. I should say, you know, you you highlighted a few guys as well that didn't make your team. Yeah, who else um, you got on between there? the between your picks and my picks? The only person that was not selected on my list was Quentin Ives Okay, that was it. Yeah, which high school running back? The only running back that Nebraska took, true running back that Nebraska took right. uh, in this recruiting class, which tells me a lot about him. When you look at him, uh, six foot three running back, lanky, yeah, lanky, long, tall. Reminds me of, um, gosh darn it, I can't think of his name. Um, Running back from Clemson, got drafted by the Jags. Plays with Trevor Lawrence. Etienne. Yes, tall, big guy, but is a great running back. Great stride, nice, fast, powerful downhill runner. Can get to the edge. Um, 1438 total yards and 19 touchdowns in his junior year of high school his senior year stats weren't available for me when I was doing this research so just an an absolute monster in the running back and reminds me of kind of these big body running backs these taller running backs that are becoming more prevalent who catch the ball out of the backfield act like a wide receiver as well but he's got the skills to run so wanted to just highlight him real quick he was the only one out of my 15 players that didn't get drafted wow so there you go pretty solid yeah, I had a pretty darn good built-up list. Yeah, I, feel, feel, list. Yeah, 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 I yeah. feel great about it.
0: Nice, okay. All right, for my sleeper pick, this is a yeah. true sleeper. This is DeAndre Barnes, the defensive back out of Regis Jesuit High School in Aurora, Colorado. Ah. He's a three-star guy. He almost committed to Air Force. Um, do you know his story, like how he got recruited and all this by Satterfield? And
1: I believe, wasn't it like a... Wasn't it a random trip where yeah. he, like a coach, was like, you got to check this kid out. He's yeah. been completely overlooked. Exactly. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, Brady Altman's on Hale Varsity did a, a really great article on him. Um, February 2nd. Um, Satterfield was recruiting Colorado. He, he had his, his whole route planned out. He noticed that uh, Regis Jesuit was on the way, wasn't too far out of the way. They had a former commit, um, Hayden Moore, who went to school there, who decommitted and, and flipped to to Michigan. So they had some something of a, an established relationship. He'd met the coach there before, um, so he called him up and said, "Hey, I'm I'm in the area. Do you mind if I stop by? You know, just just stop by, just talk. Sure, come on." So they they're hanging out in the weight room, um, chit chatting, and uh, and the coach says, "Do you do you guys have any open spots?" And Satterfield says, "Yeah, you know, we might have a spot for a defensive back, but really, we're full." The coach says, "Well, I've got a defensive back for you." Entered DeAndre Barnes, right? So he shows him DeAndre Barnes tape. Satterfield sends it off to rule immediately. Um, rule and, and Cooper are on the road. They pull off to watch the tape. And they're like, we're going to get this guy to Lincoln. You know, give him an offer. Schedule the schedule the visit. They get him in. He's he's a, a another two way player. He's got track speed. He's a Colorado 5A, 200-meter champ. Um, he, as a wide receiver, he had 37 catches for 785 yards and 9 touchdowns. Um, this is in one year as a, as a senior. And then he had 55 tackles, 6 interceptions, 8 pass breakups, and 2 forced fumbles on defense. He's just he's just a force no matter where he goes. Um, the fact that he's under-recruited Nebraska was his first Power 5 offer, and the fact that it just came on this little this chance... Is incredible to me and so he's like he's just the ultimate sleeper i think he was the last guy added to the class um on national signing day and so i've got him marked down i think he's he's just that that diamond in the rough the guy that was overlooked um he fits exactly with what what this staff is looking for on defense and i think that this has the potential to be a story that shows why you build relationships with high schools why you keep communication open why you make those extra stops and make that extra effort because Satterfield didn't have to, like he's on right. the road. He had other scheduled appointments he had to get to, and then he had to come back to the high school to finish off um, this commitment with DeAndre. So just the the effort by the staff to, to go above and beyond um, for no other reason than just that's who they are is, is phenomenal, phenomenal to me. And I, I hope that it pays off for DeAndre. I hope that this changes his life in a good way, and that he has a successful career, and, and it grows to be whatever it is. So
1: that's awesome. He's my sleeper. That's that's the definition of a sleeper, right? That's great.
0: Yeah. So cool. That All was a right. fun draft. That I, was a I fun draft. Like Doing it that way, you know. With well, the when there's when bags. there's
1: thirty nine players there's to so talk many. about, this there's is too about. Many. Yeah. There's not too many, you know, too many to talk about in a in a singular in a episode of podcast of time, yeah. <laughs> we'd, we'd be here for eight hours <laughs> but yeah i mean i i like i like all of the guys that we've talked about there's more guys to talk about too yeah, who have been a, yeah. committed to nebraska even before rules staff came on you know there's there's great stories with all of these uh, young athletes and these young students and and you know i'm really excited to see you 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 highlighted you know Marcus Satterfield, which I didn't realize you were on nickname basis with with him, calling him Sat. Sat? Yeah, I mean yeah. Sat. We go way back. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I, I'm sure he, <laughs> I'm sure he, he knows you too. Super drooper. That's what he calls me. Yeah, he's like, yeah. "There's the droopy. There's my droopy." <laughs> but but you know, rule says time and time time again, we're going to work hard. There's no way to know if we're going to work harder than everyone else, but we are going to work hard, and that implies that they're not working hard yet, and yet we've seen such hard work on their recruiting side of things, I can't wait to see what hard work looks like for this staff moving forward. Yeah. And if they're getting the the, the athletes that match up with that work ethic and who want to build the character that these coaches want to build as far as their personal lives, you know, on the field is irrelevant at that point, just building the character and, and making them into the, the young men that they uh, they want to be and their parents want them to be and these coaches want them to be. Like, There's there's just a good feeling And, and right now, what I like is that it's not about wins and losses at this moment. It's about reestablishing this pride to play for Nebraska and what that kind of growth means for you as an individual. Like that's a good feeling to have in kind of a recruiting class that that's what we're trying to build again. Is this like goodwill um, amongst the team and amongst the way that they interact with the community and that sort of thing. And so that's just, it's a really nice feeling. These kids all embody that. And Yeah. And is it fall yet? Yeah, we got we have a long way to go. Not gonna be that long, but it, yeah. you know it's February, and then you just after that you just got March. You just got to get through. But then after March you've got April and that's spring game. <laughs> oh, right? There you go. Okay. And then after April it's May. Yes. Okay. I don't know if anyone knows this, and then it's June. Uh huh. And then uh, July. Okay. You got Our the All Star break. Yeah. Ugh, baseball's the worst. I love baseball. I. We should just do a baseball podcast <sighs> in the off season. You you can just talk to a wall if you <laughs> want to do a baseball podcast. So then we've got, after June comes July, and
0: uh-huh. then
1: mid-July is when we start our preseason work. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, it's really not that far away. Yeah. And just then- February, and then a few other months, and then July. Yeah. There's just like six inches of snow out there that's got to melt down,
0: and then, before you know it. Before you know it. We're playing Iowa, <laughs> <laughs> and we're thinking about how we have to face the long off season. <laughs> well, we have a bowl game before that, and probably a camp- conference championship. Yeah.
1: And then a national champion. You know, well, college playoffs, playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're forgetting so much stuff that Nebraska is going to be fully involved in. <laughs> All right. Well, that okay. does it for this episode of Wannabe Walk-Ons. We will return next week with a special recap of the Ultimate Beer Festival by our very own Drew Horseman, immediately following his visit to the Ultimate Beer Festival. It is going to be a shit show. <laughs> in the best way possible. In the best way.
0: I hope so. Jeez. It'll be fun. Uh, So make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at wannabewalkons for the drop on all of our bonus episodes, all of which will lead into our 2023 season kicking off, pun intended, eh,
1: in July. We want to thank all our listeners, both new and long time, for tuning in. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation.
0: Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to tell us where to drink next
1: thanks for listening and as always drink big red drink big red Heard at Sports Network Production.